Former Governor General David Johnston has revealed the findings of his investigation into allegations of election interference and whether there should be a full public inquiry. Despite calls for such an inquiry and concerns about public trust in the process, Johnston is instead pursuing public hearings into some, but not all, areas of the interference issue. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. Post Media Parliamentary Bureau Chief and National Post columnist John Iveson joins me to discuss some of Johnston's findings, the refusal to hold a public inquiry, and why the biggest problem with Johnston's investigation is likely still Johnston himself. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or even on Amazon Music. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about the show. So, John, on Tuesday was a day that many political watchers in Ottawa were waiting for. It was the day that former Governor General David Johnston released his report that essentially was an investigation into whether there should be a public inquiry into allegations of election interference. And, you know, we can get into to some of the challenges with the findings in, in a moment, but, but essentially, why was Johnston tasked with this and what specifically was he looking into? Well, he was tasked with, with uh, looking back at the 2019 and 2021 elections to find out whether there was a material impact on those elections from predominantly Chinese interference, and then to throw forward and suggest how we avoid any problems that he encountered in future elections. In a nutshell. The question for a lot of people was whether or not we would see a public inquiry into all this, whether at the end of his investigation, he would say, yes, it, it kind of meets the standard for a full public airing in front of a judge with testimony and documents and things like that. And ultimately he said, there is no need for an inquiry. Now, now what were his reasonings behind essentially saying the thing that most people are asking for, for the sake of confidence in democracy is not going to happen. Well, he said he went into the process expecting to make that recommendation that a public inquiry would be the way way forward. And then as he proceeded down the road of investigating, he changed his mind and decided that that would not be the best way, in part because he thought that uh, a public inquiry would duplicate the effort that he'd made in interviewing prime minister, various ministers, security agencies, etc. And secondly, because he thought a public inquiry could not be held in public that the, uh, the 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 nature of the sensitivity of the intelligence would necessarily me- mean that it would be held in camera anyway we can get into whether there's validity in those those points but that that was essentially the two big ones and i guess thirdly he said that there was no convincing evidence to support the most serious allegations uh, made about the government's failure to act on specific instances in foreign interference in the media so i guess he he felt that this, the problem was less serious than it had been portrayed in the media. Yeah. Now, I mean, that's the one that I think a lot of people may shake their heads at. And we can talk about the the security issue in a second, but we've seen a lot of media reports that that are quite damning from various news outlets in the country and essentially saying that there was, you know, there was money funneled through the Chinese consulate to a bunch of different candidates. There were, you know, reporting that there were specific uh, Conservative Party candidates targeted in the 2021 election, uh, including Conservative MP Michael Chong, and and not only the candidates here in Canada, but also concern of, regarding their families back home in China. 
based on everything that Canadians have read in the media over the last few months, it sounds like there was no question there was interference. There was no question there were, you know, concerns about Chinese actors in Canada trying to exert influence in the election. So how did Johnston come to the conclusion that, no, no, it's not as bad as you've heard? Well, there's a section in the report which which takes most of the uh, media allegations in turn and suggests that while there was intent on the part of People's Republic of China uh, to influence the election, there is little evidence that they actually did. Now, let me just, obviously, there's uh, each case is different, but let's say the, the story that was in Global News in November about the PRC giving 250,000 to 11 political candidates for the 2019 election. He says that, uh, Johnson says that he reviewed the intelligence. So he's, he's actually been able to look at, at the full intelligence file. He interviewed CISA's officials, the National Security Advisor, people in the Privy Council, the panel of five deputy ministers who looked at the election, as well as the Prime Minister and the relevant ministers. He says from his reading of it, there was there was limited intelligence that the China intended for these funds to be sent to seven liberals and four conservatives. There's uncertainty about whether there was money. And he says there is no evidence that the money actually made its way to those candidates. So therefore, the uh, in, in essence, the media reporting on this was overblown, that while there might have been intent, the reality was that $250,000 did not reach 11 candidates. He exonerates the Prime Minister and other ministers from, from knowing anything about this. He says they did not, or at least they told him they did not, and for him that was enough. And, and you know, it, it goes on and on and on. There, the, the, each case is more or less the same, that the reporting suggests there was more interference than actually took place, that the Prime Minister's office was either not informed or wasn't given the full picture and is blameless when it comes to not taking action. Let's take that on face value, the idea that, okay, the prime minister may not have known, ministers may not have known, the money may not have ended up where it was intended to go. I mean, I was watching Johnston's press conference and and he talked about there is like very clear evidence that the country is trying to interfere in our elections. Like, isn't that enough to, to say to Canadians, we need a deeper look at how foreign countries are trying to interfere with our elections or how the Chinese regime are trying to interfere in Canadian affairs. Even if the prime minister's office is blameless, even if the money didn't end up where it's intended, shouldn't, don't Canadians in your mind deserve a better understanding of what threats are out there and what's at play? It, does Johnston feel his report addresses those threats enough? Well, I think that that's what the public hearings are, are designed to do. So I would argue it should have been a full public inquiry to to look back as well as look forward. Um, but I do think he, he does think there is a problem that the public hearings that he's intended to hold over the next few months and before reporting back in October are designed to address that problem. Because you're right. I mean, I think that the, the kind of overlooked in all of this is that China has been trying to interfere in Canadian elections, despite the fact that after the G7 on Sunday, it put out a statement saying that China never interferes in the internal affairs of other countries, that is clearly a fiction. And, you know, I don't think Johnson is naive enough to suggest that there is no problem here. Where I think he is naive and, and um, ignoring the political reality is that whatever he produces is going to be tarnished because it's connected to him. And in the eyes of 
large swathes of the population, including the official opposition, he is tainted. He's too close to the prime minister. He he was is as it admitted as being a, a skiing buddy, or at least as he his children and the Trudeaus would go on skiing trips. It's there's a perceived conflict of interest, and as we know, conflict of interest only needs to be perceived to be a reality. We'll be right back. I look at this report and I look at, you know, the the controversy around Johnston and the fact that many people were expecting because of this conflict. I mean, it was telegraphed from his appointment, right? That you had he was appointed and everyone said, A, it's it tarnishes his his former office to have him involved in a process like this. B, he's too close to the Trudeaus. Would you have been surprised with any other result? And does the fact that people were expecting a whitewash, as you as you put it in in your column, that we got essentially what amounts to a whitewash, this doesn't help the process at all, does it? No, I don't think it does. I mean, so two things. I think when Trudeau announced he was going to appoint a special rapporteur, my initial reaction was, and I put this in print, was that um, nobody, it's human nature when you're appointed special rapporteur to want to be in the limelight. You want to continue to be in the limelight. You're unlikely to conclude your first interim report and say, well, that's enough for me. I hand it over to a judge. That's the kind of, that was what I expected to happen until he appointed David Johnston. And, and I've got the highest regard for Johnston. I thought he did a terrific job as governor general. And I wrote at the time, you know, while that might be true for, for most people, I expect him to do his best for Canadians. And I think Unfortunately, he has not done so. I think what would have been best for Canadians is for him to have recommended a public inquiry, even if that meant overlapping. I mean, one of his key points is that the, a lot of the stuff that a public inquiry would do would, would go back and look at what he's already looked at. Well, that's, I think that would be fair enough because, you know, people that are probably not going to take at face value what a lot of people are not going to take at face value, what, what Johnson has concluded. So if a public inquiry in front of a judge who, with, with no noticeable connections to the Trudeaus, reach the same conclusions, then, then then so be it. I think it was a real mistake on his part not to walk away, and I think it really taints whatever is going to come out of the, the second report. And one of the things that I've I've kind of thought about through this whole process is the notion that while Canadians can appreciate that there are security concerns and may not expect to get a full airing of intelligence briefings, they at least want to know that the systems of government that are intended to operate to protect our interests are working properly. And if it's shown that they're not, they want those addressed. In your line of thinking, is Johnston correct in suggesting that we can't have a full airing of this because of these security concerns? Or is there a way to hold an inquiry and take those concerns out of the equation? Like not all documents are released. um, Some of them are heard in camera or even the fact that, you know, in the general sense of things, some of this intelligence shouldn't be classified. Well, it's a good question. I mean, it's hard hard to know that the answer to that because we don't know the, we don't know the contents of the intelligence or how um, you know. I think governments are often far too security agencies in particular are far too ready to uh, classify stuff as as confidential when it probably doesn't need to be. I don't know. I mean, uh, he's he's been able to look at the, the intelligence materials and conclude that. No public inquiry could work because it would all have to be in camera. I think when you look at what he's what he's talking about for the second round of of hearings, um, or for the public hearings, 
hearing from diaspora communities, for example, well, that's not confidential. You could hold that in public. I think there are large swathes of what he's likely to hear in the public hearings, which are which would not be confidential either in, in his public hearing or in a public inquiry. So I don't really buy it. I mean, you know, clearly there was there was some stuff here. He, he dismisses a whole bunch of the the media reporting and then basically says, "I can't tell you why it's attached in a confidential annex to this report, which only people with top secret clearance." will be able to read you know so there are inherent problems here i think he maybe shouldn't have been so ready to trash some of the reporting without explaining why he was doing so um but i mean this whole area is fraught because we, we're just not in a position to know and and yet and that's kind of the problem you know at the very outset he's, he's, he talks about democracy being built on trust and i don't think that this report or what's coming next have added to that trust. I think they've actually eroded it further when it was already wavering. When you say what's coming next, he, he did mention that there would be there would be hearings among among two committees. What can you tell me about what the next steps in this are? To me, it's it's kind of irrelevant. I just feel that whatever comes next, there's already a, a, a lack of trust in the country. The, the opposition has already come out and dismissed. In fact, they came out before the report was emerged condemning it. You know, the revelation that... Erin O'Toole was interviewed on the 17th of May, which was last Wednesday, when the, when the report was already in translation. I mean, it was kind of discredited before it came out. And so whatever comes next is, you know, if not irrelevant, it's going to be less important than a public inquiry might have been. I mean, we know that there's going to be a whole bunch of public consultations. They're going to, he's, he's recommending that the uh, NSICOP, which is the Committee of Parliamentarians, review his findings. I just think the whole thing has now turned into a real mess and is likely to become an election issue. I mean, it's the, it's the type of thing that's going to run and run, whereby the Prime Minister seems to have appointed one of his, his uh, allies or friends who have then has then delivered a report completely exonerating him. I mean, even the areas of miscommunication between, um, between uh, the security agencies and the minister's office on uh, the Michael Chong information you know, the blame there is, is clearly on the security agency or on the bureaucrats, not on the politicians. So I don't think that the, um, I think they would be doing high fives around uh, Langevin block where the prime minister's office is located. Do you, do you get a sense that like, and this may be an obvious question, that, but the PMO is a, oblivious to the blowback here, that this is yet another example of the prime minister essentially sw- trying to swipe away, dismissively wave away genuine concerns about whether or not he and his government can be trusted. We saw this with the SNC-Lavalin affair and the way that, that Jody Wilson-Raybould was treated. And there, there are plenty of other examples where it's like, oh, well, it's not that big a deal, you know. And now we have another example of this here with the with this report and, and the appointment of the uh, former governor general of a family friend of the Trudeau's and then to turn around and, and say, yeah, there's no big deal here. Well, you, you don't need to win the argument if you're the government. All you need to do is muddy the water sufficiently and rely on the public to lose interest. I mean, I think a, pub, a public inquiry, and we saw this with the Rouleau Commission, uh, you know, is an event and gets covered by the media and it's in the news every day. And, you know, as... Anybody who worked in the Paul Martin government will tell you um, the government is not in control of the agenda. We're talking about the Gomery Commission uh, into sponsorship. And on a daily basis, the government is having to put out fires that have emerged from the, from, the, uh, from the inquiry. So that's their 
least preferred option. In this case, you know, they've they've got enough now to say, well, look, all the reporting was wrong, said David Johnston. The public goes, well, I don't really know who to believe and I can't be bothered thinking about it. So, so let's move on. And and for the government, that is a major win. Yeah. And I mean, looking ahead, as you say, there will be these these committee hearings. I know there was talk of, of whether to give the leaders of opposition parties clearance in the future so they can view these documents. Does the government essentially get an opportunity here to run a run out the clock on the scandal or does this stick around long enough into the next election because people may be concerned well what are what are foreign powers going to do in our next election what is the chinese regime going to do in our next election i guess it depends on how how the the opposition treats it i mean if they keep hammering on this as a major scandal it might have legs but i mean the, the, you know johnson is going to come back he's going to hold Hearings, the, the diaspora communities will be asked about their uh, about their opinions. The the uh, this committee of parliamentarians will will look at the issue. There will be recommendations made in Johnson's report on maybe strengthening strengthening that committee, making amendments to the CSIS Act, um, improving the machinery of government. The government will will be able to say absolutely. We'll we'll do all these things. You know, the, Johnson may rec- recommend that there's a National Security Committee of Cabinet, for example, the government will say, "Look, we've these are wonderful second report. We'll uh, take all these recommendations on board, and the problem is solved. Citizens of Canada, you can forget about it. There'll be no interference in the next election." You know, from the government's point of view, terrific. This is they couldn't have hoped for a better outcome. There's nothing to answer for in the first report. The second report, they'll fully implement. Their hope is will be that uh, that, that this thing just goes away. And I guess it depends how much, uh, I mean, it's going to really depend on how the NDP views this, because the NDP, if they were upset enough, could bring the government down. I don't see that happening. But um, but I think that they, there is a sufficiently large body of people in Canada who do not believe this report and will give credence to what Kualiya uh, was saying, that, that Johnson was appointed and this is the report that was expected to be delivered by Trudeau. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see if over time how Canadians feel about this report and how, whether whether it impacts the Liberals come next election. John, thanks for your time. Great, thank you. 10-3 is produced by Tyler Dawson, theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, John Iveson. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.